welcome back to the Long Tick Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Subtracta Bankard, and I'm here with my friends, Antonio Elefano and P.T. McNiff. If you tuned into our predictions episodes, you'll recall they did an amazing job breaking down the above the line and below the line categories. Today, we're having our own Oscars party, after party. It is a couple of days later. <laughs> so it's a delayed Oscars party. Uh, but we're going to be giving you our reactions to who won. Uh, we're going to talk about how we did on our own predictions and sort of look to the future, consider what implications or lessons learned we can kind of take away from from this year's Oscars. Uh, how, how are you doing, Antonio and PT? Doing great. Um, I, I think overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with both the ceremony and the winners, which is not normally the feeling. <laughs> Two days after You're the like, Oscars. this is a weird sensation. I know. So, you know, I, I feel good. How about you, PT? Similarly, I I feel good. You know, there's some things on the margins. There's some, you know, we got some some nits to pick. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it it was uh, this was a, a big. It felt like a, a rebound uh, in uh, in in happiness, at least. <laughs> yeah, all, I'm glad. Yeah, good went. vibes only here. Uh, so yeah, I think most uh, post Oscars podcasts that I listen to. They off the typical thing to start with is to talk about the telecast and talk about the Oscars as a show. What usually happens when I listen to those though is I get really impatient for them to just talk about the winners. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna save, we're gonna have I have a section set aside for us to talk about like how is this as a TV show and as like a thing to watch it in your house. Uh so yeah, we'll save all that stuff for the end. Um, but I just want to get into kind of like the who won and how did how did how did everything pan out. So which you've already kind of got to start on. So we'll start with uh, PT. How did you feel about the winners? You mentioned happiness. Do you feel like the Academy got it right? What are the nit? You mentioned nitpicking. Like what? What are the the nits to pick? I, it's it is frustrating how easy it is to be to go straight to the well, what are what are the problems um, that we want to get uh, rushed to that. But I mean, I I loved everything everywhere all at once. I was excited that. A big, big chunks of the show was uh, every award, every category in quick succession. Uh, that was, uh, that was great. Uh, and a historical amount of, uh, of, of dominance from that one movie. I guess main knit, at least the main knit that I have would be, uh, you know, all these great movies that didn't get anything, uh, and, and are, are left without recognition, though, you know, they kind of get that chip on their shoulder going forward. You know, the 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 Citizen Kane 2001, et cetera, et cetera, of like, and the Academy didn't even get it at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, your uh, your your Banshees, your Tar, uh, th- those are the two that really stand out. Was uh, it? Was it? It's four four films, I believe, got totally shut out, right? I think it was Tar, Banshees, well, Elvis, four that people thought would have a chance, but. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, here's, here's a list. This, this list is tough. Uh, it's living triangle of sadness, the Batman, Babylon, Tar, Elvis, the Fablemans and the Banshees of Inishirin all had multiple nominations, but left with nothing. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's a good list. Like four, Batman, four best. I think I was thinking best picture nominees, probably. Correct. Sorry. Right, and I forgot about Fablemans. No, no, you're good. That was a great, that was a great comprehensive list. All right. Antonio, how are you feeling? I mean, I, I, I feel for the most part good about like the, the winners. Uh, it, I, I think that a ceremony that passes where 
where you don't feel like there was like an egregious choice <laughs> is pretty good, right? And I think that that, I think, I think I already knew that it was going to be a, an okay day because the nominees were pretty strong, right? Mm. So, so there weren't, there weren't a lot of like, um, there weren't a lot of like terrible choices out there, right? Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, my personal favorite didn't win every category, but, um, but you know, Again, I, I I didn't walk away. We're going to talk about favorite win and least favorite win. My my least favorite win did happen in in one of the major categories, but even that, I don't feel that terrible. Yeah, I would agree with you. Even the ones where it's like that's not what I would have picked, I wasn't upset about anything necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably my least favorite win was All Quiet winning score, just because I I really liked Babylon score, even though I wouldn't have picked it Babylon for much else <laughs> probably. Um, but that was the one I was like, oh, really? Like, and then I think because All Quiet won so much, we kept hearing the blah, 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 like <laughs> over and over and over again. And by then, by the time we got to score, I was just like, no, like, please, <laughs> this can't win. It's funny that there's the, like, uh, and I don't want to creep into the telecast portion of the conversation, but the experience of watching it when I have full faith and confidence in the, the good people of Price Waterhouse. And the academy that they don't know what it's going to be, but you know the the arc of the very right beginning of the show. Oh, this is an everything everywhere romp. Then there was this like extended period of all quiet creeping with that music like yeah. lurking, and it really felt like it was you know, all the dominoes fell for the upset until we got to screenplay, and then it was. The, the the line held, as it were. The hill was not taken. And it went back to everything everywhere being uh you know being on the run. Yeah, I, I think that any any um suspicion that the Academy knew ahead of time who the winners would be was was totally displaced the year that um they moved best actor to the end, the Chadwick Bozeman year. Remember that? And yeah. uh, and um so that was the that was the first post COVID. Yes. Yeah. In person one. Yeah. That was the union station. Yeah. Union station one. Right. And so it was supposed to be this very emotional ending and the audience wasn't even there. So um, I, I agree that, that it just, the way that it worked out, it did, it did sort of feel that way. But even I, even at that moment, I was just like, it's not going to happen. It's, 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 uh, it's, it'll swing back. Um, so my least favorite win, if we're going to, if we're going to start with that was um, Brendan Fraser um, in The Whale. Not because I dislike Brendan Fraser or dislike the the narrative or, or or begrudge him like his win. It was just my least favorite performance of those five. So that was the only thing. And again, if that's the one that I'm calling the least, because because normally that's a long list, you know, like and, and there are a lot fighting. Like that's that's pretty good. Even my least favorite winner, I I was I was happy to see him as a person um, win that award. He genuinely seemed surprised and overwhelmed. Which was really nice to see that he just kind of was like, I don't even know what to say up here. Like those are those are the great the great Oscar speech moments where people just are so overcome with the, with emotion or they are so surprised that they kind of like say something weird off the handle, right? So I think he did he did do his typical thing of like trying to create some metaphor <laughs> for for what he which I couldn't totally follow, right? It was like some weird nautical metaphor where it started with a whale and then there was a boat and like I don't know, it was like it was. It kind of got off the rails a little bit, but the look on his face, I thought was like, I'm like, oh, okay, this, I'm happy for him. You know, he is an actor because of his, his story. 
Like this is this, this feels, this feels good. Even though like Antonio texted our group chat, the whale now has two Oscars. <laughs> and that really puts it into perspective. Cause it's like, would I have really, and like to, we just talked about a bunch of films that we both, I think all of us loved have no Oscars. And mm-hmm. so that becomes really weird, right? Where it's like, okay, this, this movie that people were either like mediocre to not liking and has two, one, two because of Brendan Fraser and, uh, makeup and hairstyling. And then, and something like Tar walks away empty handed. Yeah. Also, I mean, this, this does follow with what we were talking about earlier about the, the correlation between makeup and actor. I think it's silly <laughs> that, that, that this is, that this continues to be a correlation, right? Like, yes, they had to transform themselves, but like, I hope that that's not a trend that we can continue to talk about because during makeup, I remember in the group chat, I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) yes, it's happening. So I I was, I want to take credit. I was right in predicting that the two would be the same, like from the same film. I just picked, I put my bet on the wrong horse, the wrong pairing in that, in that way. And then lost PT. What was your least favorite win since we're on the subject? It's hard for the answer to not be best actor with love for Brendan Fraser because I, I the, his narrative and his story is wonderful. Uh, I, I, I have, uh, as said on an earlier podcast, I have no interest in, in seeing the whale. I, I didn't see it. I'm not going to see it. Uh, I've, I've not heard anyone say, I recommend it outside of the like checking the box for the Oscars that you got to see it. Uh, except I guess for the Academy who gave it two Oscars. It's the only movie besides, uh, everything everywhere and all quiet that won more than one Oscar this year. So it's the third best movie apparently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you know, that's tough to not say that in the interest of, uh, uh, splitting it up. This isn't the worst win, but if I could change one win, uh, and I, I don't want to take anything away from everything everywhere because that, that, that's hard, but it w- did win so many. I kind of would like anyone else in original screenplay to have gotten it. Uh, Tar, uh, Banshees, Fableman's, Triangle of Sadness. I mean, if any of those had won, I wouldn't have been like incredibly yeah. mad, especially Banshees or Tar. Uh, I would have loved for them to get one and for them to have that screenplay. I feel like. You know, there's this r- list of movies that, you know, felt underappreciated in the, uh, in a ceremony, but gets that screenplay nod. And 10, 20 years later, people are like, yeah, that's, that's a great movie. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I don't want to call it least favorite. Uh, I'm going to say it's the one I would change. No, I hear you. And I think that one I had predicted for Banshees for so long because of this logic of, mm-hmm. well, everything everywhere is going to clean up everywhere else. So that this is the good place to give credit to a movie. I now, I, you know, I used to make fun of the spread the wealth logic this year. I, now I get it. I'm like, Oh, it's so amazing that everything everywhere had such a big night. But then when we look at the list of the movies that didn't get anything, it seems a little sad. My other least favorite win. I have really mixed feelings. Maybe this is not least favorite win, but it's most conflicted win is Jamie Lee Curtis, because the more I think about that, and I, and I was on the, it's a roller coaster of emotions because on the one hand, I predicted it correctly. So I was very happy about that. Right. Uh, I was very, that was one of the moments where I was like, you know, hands in the air, like yelling at my TV. I did it. <laughs> right. I got it right. Um, did that it, didn't happen know. in a lot of other places, but, uh, on the other hand, you know, a big story that's kind of going around on the internet, you know, post Oscars is the, the, the look on Angela Bassett's face, right. And how she looks not necessarily surprised, but, but still disappointed. Right. And this idea that like, 
we are giving the career Oscar to Jamie Lee Curtis and not Angela Bassett. And like, and I love, but the thing is, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she's, and especially sort of as a celebrity, like she's so fun. She brings great energy. She was a huge champion and ally to her co-stars and everything everywhere. And just was like great, a great part of the that film's campaign. But at the same time, if we're just comparing those two, the, the, just the performances, I feel like Angela Bassett's performance in Wakanda Forever is just leagues ahead. Of, like it just has a much higher degree of difficulty and achieves more than I think Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere specifically. And I love her in Everything Everywhere. I think she's a great addition to the film. But in terms of just the isolating, just the performances, comparing them to to each other, I do feel like that's a little strange because they're both they both have the the narr the career narrative going for them. So then, why is it that Jamie Lee Curtis is winning and not Angela Bassett? That said, like when I recorded with Antonio, my should win was Stephanie Hsu. Yeah, because she has such an amazing range in that film, and she's doing so much and so well. That like again, if we're if we're just looking at all the performances, that would be my pick. But if we're doing a, the career Oscar thing, I'm like, why why isn't Angela Bassett winning? It's not it's not okay. I, if and I feel bad because if I were going to change it, I would probably give it to Carrie Condon, uh, and that <laughs> so Banshees could win. And also because I thought that she had the best performance out of that uh, out of that roster. You know, I think that just speaks to what Antonio said earlier of like there weren't a lot of bad options on the table. Sure. Shall we move to favorite favorite win then? Yeah. What made you really happy where you were like, oh, this is this is what I wanted. This was great. Uh, for me, my, my hands in the air went up for Sarah Pauly, um, mm -hmm. and women talking. Um, I to, that was a movie that was um, that I, I was surprised at how moved I was by it. I was surprised at how um, excited I was like to watch it from beginning to end. It's a movie that I feel really proud and really happy when I help other people discover it. When I, when I tell people like, you should watch this movie. And a lot of people just were like, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> because we talked about the sort of like botched, um, you know, release of it. Um, but to watch, to watch her win, I, I thought because of what PT was talking about earlier and the, the sort of, um, the all quiet momentum that it was going to maybe swing that way. Um, but I always sort of hoped that that Women Talking would would ultimately two very different movies, obviously. But uh, but to me, the screenplay of Women Talking was just a, was just was just amazing. It was just mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and I wish that 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 supporting actress, which was just a wealth of uh, an embarrassment of riches again, could have included some of those women mm -hmm. um, in that cast. So, but I, I remember watching uh, Sarah Pauly win, watching her castmates next to her, uh, how excited they were. For her to win, I I thought it was, and, and her speech was incredible. Uh, we'll talk about the telecast again later, but I thought the speeches in general were pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so that one, that one was the one that 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 I loved the most. That's a good pick because I think when we had recorded our predictions episode, I actually hadn't seen Women Talking yet, and I watched it that weekend, and I was like, oh, this 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 definitely one hundred percent should be winning. Uh, adapted screenplay and like i'm really glad that i switched uh because it won usc scripter and wga and so the the that was a really good last minute switch yeah also i'm ast astounded that they pulled it through yeah um so that and i think that really speaks to the quality of the screenplay yeah. so yeah very happy about that but yeah like jesse buckley claire foy yeah in any other year i feel like they probably would have could have gotten in that also felt like a release strategy issue. This, this, uh, and combined with 
I don't know if it's a permanent shift, but movies released earlier, you know, that, that sort of, oh, let's save it. Like a movie's coming out December 25th in New York and LA, go elsewhere in mid January. Uh, doesn't seem like the recipe for success that it used to be. And so that movie got, you know, got trampled under these, these narratives and under, uh, movies that were available to just easily watch at home, uh, in, in the prime nominating season. And so it feels like that kind of, you know, it got, it got lost a little bit, but I'm, I'm with both of you. I'm glad it got reclaimed or I'm glad that it got, uh, you know, it, it, it got this award. It sort of carved it out. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, I think it's hard. It's hard to not choose that as the, as the best, uh, sort of best win just because it was the most, I don't know, was it the most surprising? Uh, like, or it was the one where maybe it had the most question marks, um, uh, about it that, that didn't go to one of the two big favorites. Uh, so, uh, so I think that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to cheat, uh, and say my favorite moment was, uh, uh Kiwi Kwan uh hugging Harrison Ford uh yeah, and they only cut they only got like the, the the back half of the hug but they were smart enough to cut to Spielberg in the audience um and that just that just touched my little my little nerd heart um <laughs> that at that moment everyone's celebrating and his win uh Kwan's win um you know even though maybe maybe the most foretold of of all of everything everywhere's wins um that was still great because there was that was I believe if I'm right, that was the first one besides animated feature. Um, and you know, it was just like, there were still like, what if, what if they screw it up? What if everything goes crazy? Um, so him winning was just sort of like, okay, okay. His, his stories solidified. Um, that's good. Even if nothing else happens for everything everywhere, they will have, it will be an Academy Award winning movie. And that's great. Yeah. I think if, if he hadn't won, that would have really deflated the entire proceedings. I think everyone would have been like, what do we do now? I mean, yeah. Or it would have, it would have been just chaos. You know? Yeah. On one yeah. level it would have been great on, on a, as a everything everywhere fan, it would have been uh, devastating. He's on my list of favorite wins as well. He and Michelle Yeoh as a pair, although if I had to pick one, I think I would go with Michelle Yeoh just because I didn't, that was the one I was not confident would happen. And in fact, predicted that it would be Kate Blanchett. Um, and so that was in general, I think I was, more cynical than I needed to be in making my predictions. And that makes me so happy. Right. So like the, the Michelle Yo win against my prediction actually was, I didn't care that I got that one wrong because it was, it was so nice to see her get that moment. And I really was afraid that like everything everywhere would take everything except in this category um, because Kate Blanchett's performance is so strong. And like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be the, like the Academy to be like Jamie Lee Curtis wins one, but Michelle Yeoh, the star of the movie. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Does not. Um, and like her win is so historic. Um, and, and again, like that was another one that they, like the Harrison Ford setup, I think worked out really well. I think the having Halle Berry, yeah. the, the other, the only other actress to have won a lead actress, uh, Oscar in 95 years of its history or whatever it is. She's the only. She's the only actress of color, uh, to have one. And now there are two of them now. Like, so having her there to, to award Michelle Yeoh, right? A historic win because she's the first Asian actress to win best actress. Uh, that was, that was weird. So if I had to pick one win, that's my favorite. That was probably, that would be pro- probably be it. Though there were a couple others that, that pleasantly surprised me, like Ruth Carter winning costume design because that was yeah. a should win that I had that I didn't think would happen. And then obviously not to, not to winning best song made me overjoyed, but. 
How about how about you, Antonio? What were your favorite ones? Um, so I was happy. I mean, I was happy with almost almost all of the wins. Um, I I so with regard to Kate Blanchett, like I was I was rooting for her, and I um um I predicted her. She was my should win and will will win, but. Um, as the evening rolled along, I, I had a sort of similar experience looking at the at that everything everywhere sort of like line of actors that um, that it would it would just seem wrong <laughs> for um, for all of those people to get awards and not and not Michelle Yeoh. So um, and and I, and I sort of made my peace with it, like in the course of the of the ceremony, as 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 the as the sort of steamroller started to go. So um, so even though. It, it wasn't the win that I was, my, it wasn't, it wasn't my personal pick or the one that I, I had predicted. I, I was very happy uh, with the win. And like when, when we talked about this earlier, I was like, look, we're, we're going to debate about this. I, I thought actually we were going to have a, 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 a wilder divergence in terms of who we thought would, would ultimately take it. Um, but, um, but it's not a situation where I was, where I was like really unhappy to be, to be wrong. I was like, this is, this is, this is a wonderful moment. And like, the other thing is like, Kate Blanchett is going to be in amazing movies for like the next 20 years. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not sure what, like, I, I hope Michelle Yeoh is, is, gets other opportunities too. Um, but like, you know, I don't know when we think about the sort of functional, like use of, of, of an Academy award, I mean, I, it's, it's a mixed bag, you know, like some actors, we don't hear from them very much after, after they win. Um, but in terms of, of Oscar history, I, I, it was, it was a really nice moment. Um, so I think that, you know, this, Antonio, what, what you're saying is that there wasn't really a villain in, uh, you know, as, as a movie, you could try to argue All Quiet if, if you didn't like that movie, I guess. And you could argue The Whale, but The Whale was only going to be a villain in the spots that it ended up triumphing. But yeah, it was, you know, who was really upset about, you know, Angela Bassett versus Jamie Lee Curtis or uh, Kate Planchette versus Michelle Yeoh, like, you know, I mean, obviously everyone had the one that they wanted, like, you know, one versus the other or the one that they thought because they, you know, based on their predictions. But I, I don't think anyone would have been like, this is a travesty if um, the other, you know, whoever won out of those. Uh, I did. I didn't want to note, uh, Jen, I, I apologize. I, I almost talked over you at one point. Um, uh, but I was going to say Ruth Carter. Um, that's that was another surprise that I didn't think was uh, even uh, even possible. Um, and so that was a great win uh, that that. Um, that, that she won. Um, I, I saw, and I, I can't, I didn't go through every, the whole history to confirm it. She's the only black woman to win more than one Oscar now, uh, in the 95 years, uh, across all the categories, which is pretty crazy. Um, but that's great for her. And she gave a really, uh, a really nice speech. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that that was, um, I think that that was really rewarding. And, and apart from a few of those, uh, those pockets, um, uh, production design was another place where there was, uh, uh, I think maybe the biggest statistical upset, um, based on what the odds were. But one interesting thing, not to lead the transition into, uh, the predictions was how predictable a lot of this was. I mean, we had, again, there was some sort of like anxiety, especially over the big acting categories, but for the most part, it went chalk. Like it was just what people thought was going to win. You know, the narratives, the counter narratives all sort of, uh, uh, were, were bouncing us around, but ultimately it's kind of the way things looked like a few weeks ago is what played out. 
Yeah, for sure. I think I would, I would definitely agree with that. Ex- with the exception of, I think the, the all quiet wins that people didn't expect at the expense of, I think Elvis. Mm-hmm. To me, that was like the most unpredictable. Like though, yeah, those craft categories that we had talked about where we were sort of like, it's either all quiet or Elvis. And then it like, you know, costume design goes to Black Panther, right? Uh, and all quiet gets production design, which is not the thing that we thought it would get, right? Uh, so, so yeah, I think that was the closest thing we had to kind of chaotic, uh, wins. But yeah, you're right. Otherwise it was everything everywhere cleaned up, made it big in the way that people thought and had, had thought for a while. Um, and, but otherwise, yeah, other, otherwise, but I think the other big surprise too, was that the acting, cause I think a lot of the Oscar pundits that I follow sort of split the difference between BAFTA and SAG where they were like, well, like it can't be all like, since they didn't have any overlap, it can't just follow one or the other. So we're just going to take a couple from column A, a couple from column B and all of the acting wins were SAG matched the SAG wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was super interesting, but yeah, we have transitioned into, our predictions and how those panned out. Um, so let's start with with the totals. How did everybody do? How many categories did you get right? Antonio, we'll start with you. 17. Like, 17. Yeah, that's what I had. How do you feel about that? Are you, is that like, I, I is that good? Were you happy about that? I think it's okay. For a year where it did, fe- where it felt a little bit strange and, and, and harder than normal to, to, to predict. Um I, I think that the main thing is that, that, that I missed some of like the big categories, which, which, um, right. Like, uh, I still had, um, Banshees winning original screenplay. I didn't go with the flow with yo. <laughs> yeah, right. I, to I be stopped. clear, everyone was like, this is a really the closest race. It was, yeah. Best actress and best actor were the closest races where people were like, it really could go either way. Yeah, you know, and I, and I picked Frasier even though I didn't want to. <laughs> um, and so, but, um, so, so normally I can, I can, I can do pretty well or a little bit better in those, in those, uh, those bigger categories. Um, I, I, I actually followed the long take for, for a lot of the other categories and, um, and that helped, that helped there. So 17 out of 20, I think is okay. I think it's okay for, for, for the year. Yeah. You- I'd say. I was at 18 because I, I think because I had the whale is still in makeup, even though for our our discussion uh, on the earlier episode, Jen, like all all signs were that Elvis was gonna was was moving up. So I, but I kept it because of that should will of like I was hoping that um, that Elvis would take that instead of the whale. Um, so I I had that, um, and then you know my my misses were actor and actress. Um, I I think I still said, no, I said Austin Butler. I, I still wanted Colin Farrell. Um, and I still was sort of hoping because I was like, are they going to leave Banshees empty? I, th- I thought maybe they were going to say Colin Farrell when they were opening it. What a, what a delusion. Uh, I think a lot of the anonymous, sorry, a lot of the anonymous ballots that came out were pointing towards a Colin Farrell upset, which I would have loved. Uh, I think that would have been great. Uh, again, no disrespect. I'm, I'm glad Brandon Fraser has an Oscar. Um, and then, uh, actress, as, as we've said, I think we all had Kate, uh, Blanchett winning, um, holding on to win that. And then production design and costume design, uh, costume design, again, a, a, a wonderful, uh, surprise. Uh, production design, you know, again, I, I wouldn't have chosen All Quiet or if, uh, it, if, if we were going to choose All Quiet, uh, here, I would have maybe taken one away somewhere else um and you know not have it gotten up to four um but 
but yeah, I mean, I, and then I followed, I didn't, the documentaries and shorts, I didn't think about, I just did whatever, uh, whatever the long take said. Um, and I think that was three for four. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, you two are part of the long take. You can't refer to the long take now as an outside source. Like you're part of the source now, but I will say that I had a uh, shout out to my friend Rosario, who's a, an, a loyal reader of the long take. He actually on social media posted that, our predictions collectively helped him beat the rest of his family on Oscars night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can be really proud about that. I think we're helping people, people get one up <laughs> over, over their loved ones <laughs> in their predictions. So I think we're doing it right. Um, so yeah, I also had 17, which, uh, is actually, I went back on gold derby and looked at my track record. It actually is a little bit lower than what I've done in the past few years. I've usually averaged out at 18 or 19. Um, and so this was not a great year in terms of uh, like accuracy for me, but still, I think considering where I messed up, I think it's still respectable. Cause I think I like, when I look at what I didn't get right, I'm like, they're really based on the conversation before the Oscars. I don't think I really realistically could have put something different for a lot of the categories. Um, Greg, who sends his regrets, he wanted to be here on, on this episode with us, but, but couldn't make it work. He actually won. He out of all four of us. So he got 19. Yeah. yeah. So it paid like listen, listeners, it pays to be up on the shorts. That's <laughs> true. Cause I think that was one of the places where he probably got an edge. Although he blamed me for convincing him to switch to Le Pupil when an Irish goodbye actually won. I think that's what he originally had. And then he panicked, panic switched at the last minute. So <laughs> he, posted, but yeah, but he, he posted uh, on social media his ballot. And an Irish goodbye had a pen mark like yep. <laughs> the beginning of the Scantron fill-in, and then it was uh, uh, La Pupil instead. And it was uh, he he lamented he lamented it when the uh, when the win was announced. Yeah, so he could have had twenty. He had he has a in an alternate timeline in a multiverse. He would have had twenty <laughs> had it not been for I, our conversation. I think it skewed him yeah. the other way. Um, but yeah, but congrats, congrats to Greg for getting the highest score out of all of us so in thinking about because i mentioned a second ago where like where i went wrong i don't feel too bad about like i don't feel like i don't have necessarily a lot of regret do you do you two feel the same way we'll start with pt like what like were there things where you're like oh in retrospect i really should have picked this other thing no i don't think so i i I think the 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 narrative that is uh, under fire we'll, we'll we'll put it that way uh currently is the spread the wealth one uh that's you know that that took a hit this year yeah. uh, was that a you know a fluke uh was that a you know just a, the confluence of people just really liked this this you know this one movie or you could say these two movies uh to, if we include all quiet on that um and you know or is this sort of a a, a shift because the the sort of one movie taking seven, eight, nine, uh, awards, uh, was a little more prevalent, like over a decade ago. We were talking, if you look in the nineties, uh, and the early two thousands, that would happen more, uh, more often. Um, but it frequently happens in a movie that, uh, gets, uh, you know, a, a three, you know, three or so of the above the line ones and then cleans up in craft and the sort of when we think, I think of spread the wealth, it, there's usually there's like, okay, maybe there's a Dune or there's a Mad Max. That's sort of the technical award uh, uh, juggernaut that is, uh, you know, taking a bunch of the awards, but not necessarily, you know, all of them, but then nothing up above. So then it feels like, oh, well, we had, 
um, you know, three, four, uh, maybe even five movies that got multiple awards. Um, so this was sort of a return. I've got some, some statistics, some numbers, um, that I'm not going to get into yet. Um, uh, we could talk about that maybe for going forward, but yeah, I think that's the big thing is it's just sort of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jen. I, as, as things sort of shook out and I looked at all the movies I really liked that didn't get anything. I was like, Oh, let's spread the wealth. I like that. Um, but is that going to be the reality? Is that what mm. voters are going to do? Or is this right. just an anomaly? Yeah. It's really hard to tell. I think in think looking at my own scorecard, I feel like going into Oscars night, finalizing my predictions, I was really nervous about because, you know, Antonio, you said you stuck with Banshees for Adapted Screenplay. I almost very, very was very close to doing that because I was like, but it's getting nothing. How is that possible? Like, and I think the spread the wealth narrative, as PT saying, like, has been so prominent recently that, like, I kept being like, this can't be right. This can't be right. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. And Ban- Banshees, maybe Banshees has fizzled enough that it will walk away with nothing. And then I think I wish I had sort of like stuck to that more because I think a lot of the mistakes that I ended up making were, oh, well, Elvis has to get at least one of these, <laughs> right? Like, or like I assumed that Elvis was going to get a couple, pick up a couple below the line, uh, and the best, like, you know, like I overestimated Elvis, which we will talk about, like what that means later, probably. But yeah, it's, it's just like, it felt really weird to be predicting major, best picture nominees not getting anything um but yeah antonio how about you it's the same thing with me um i i felt like i was contorting to 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 spread the wealth to be with this insistence with this sort of nagging feeling in my head that like well elvis overperformed nomination wise it's got to get something and um and banshees too um it 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 felt wrong to to but i do think to PT's point about like, does this indicate a change? Cause you're right. Like in, in the past, there were, there were, there were films that, that did dominate nominations that, and then dominated um, wins. I, I, I tend to think this is an idiosyncratic year that the, that the love for everything everywhere all at once was just so sort of singular. And that, um, I mean, who knows, but what, right. But, but I, it, it to me, it's, um, I don't know that, that the strategy has become like an obsolete strategy. I just think that this year, yeah. It was just overwhelmed by the love for this particular movie. Yeah. And that'll be a really, really interesting thing to watch for in the next, like probably five yeah. years or so to be like, is there going to be another everything everywhere? Is this a thing that's happening now? Or is this just so particular to this one special movie? Right. Um, yeah. And actually like now that I'm thinking about it more, the, the spread the wealth is what, what messed me up in actress. Right. Cause I think, Part of the reason I stuck mm-hmm. with Kate Blanchett is because what we had been talking about, Antonio, where it was like, well, Tar's going to get something and everyone's going to associate Kate Blanchett with the movie. Like she is the movie. Therefore, she, that's what's going to push her over the line, um, in actress. And I think if I hadn't been so stuck on that idea and just been paying more attention to the momentum that everything everywhere had and that Michelle Yeoh had that like, that I, I probably would have switched over in the last week. So yeah, that, that, that burned me for sure. And I think, yeah, and then the the lack of Elvis love. Because <laughs> so many of my predictions were based on on Elvis is gonna do really well. And you know, people love love it, love biopics, they love musical biopics. Like I had so much 
um, PTSD from Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> winning so much the year that it was, it was nominated, um, that I think that was really driving a lot of my cho- choices. And I was, that was one of the biggest surprises for me was like, wait, Elvis went from being like the, th- I, I think I had predicted everything everywhere with the most wins and then Elvis and then all quiet kind of tied mm-hmm. for three. I think that's what I had originally. Um, and the fact that Elvis ended up with zero, all quiet ends up with four. I, I don't think there was a way I could have seen that coming. Yeah. Uh, there were a bunch, uh, I, I, I saw this, uh, online. I think it was on the, the Oscar race subreddit, uh, which that's a confession, uh, of nerdiness that I have something from there. Um, all kinds of streaks were broken. Uh, and the big one that Jen and I had talked about, um, but I think it also come up in your episode with, with Antonio, if I'm not mistaken, um, was editing and sound being, being linked. Um, this is the first time since 2013 that, uh, they weren't the same, uh, editing and sound didn't line up. It's the first time since 2007 that the editing, uh, winner wasn't even nominated for sound. Uh, and, you know, so there's, there's some of these things, you know, we, we, you mentioned it earlier, Jen, the sort of BAFTA versus SAG. This is the first time since 1998 that no one, no actor from BAFTA won at the, at the Oscars. Uh, it's, um, you know, the first time. That's crazy. Yeah. uh, That's the first time a supporting actress, um, was in a movie that won for something else, uh, since 2014. Um, that was always sort of an island, which is, was sort of part of the, like, Carrie Condon, like, narrative or Mm. Angela Bassett narrative when we didn't think that costume design would win. Uh, and, uh, best actor being, uh, the, this is the first time since 2010 that the best actor winner wasn't the movie that had the best actor winner wasn't nominated for best picture, um, which was a blessing for Antonio um, with the whale, but uh, you know, is another streak that is, uh, that is broken. And then the poor Fablemans also uh, broke a couple streaks. The TIFF people's choice winner and the Golden Globe drama winner have uh, both won Oscars for a long time. Uh, TIFF, uh, the Toronto Film Festival, uh, Toronto uh, People's Choice winner won at least one Oscar since 2012. The Golden Globe drama winner has won an Oscar since 1978. So my entire life, the Golden Globe drama winner would at least win one Oscar. Uh, and this year it didn't. And this is the first year ever that neither... Uh, best, you know, best musical comedy picture or best drama picture from the Globes what, got shot out. Like they both got shot out. No wins. That's never happened in the history of the Globes and the Oscars. Wow. So, so if, if either of you were to go back and do something differently with your predictions, what would you have done? Probably. Uh, I'd pick the right ones. Well, I, mean- <laughs> I would pick the ones that won. I meant in terms of strategy, right? We've mentioned like maybe not not have done as much spread the wealth. For like for me, for example, looking back, I'm like, oh, I was already betting pretty big on everything everywhere, but I didn't go full sweep. And in retrospect, I probably should have just like gone bigger, right? And been like, yes, like the, with the momentum, with the energy. If I'm predicting it for six or five or six, right? I should be predicted for all seven. And I didn't do that. And so, like, in, in retrospect, that should have been a more dominant kind of narrative and in influencing my um, my my predictions. What I'm what I am happy about, actually, is that I ended up because I remember PT, I was really agonizing over sound and editing. Mm-hmm. I ended up splitting them. Yeah, you did. And it worked out. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. I'm happy I didn't stick to the stat there. 
um to, to you know shout out to matt neglia who's never gonna listen to this uh because <laughs> he's an actual oscar pundit right um but he's he's the 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 head of uh, next best picture and they for their their patreon supporters they had a, a zoom on oscars eve which i got to hop on for a little bit and i in the chat i asked this question about being really stressed out about film and editing and he was like here's why i'm not stressed about it here's why we can split it and i was like okay and that made me feel confident enough that that's what made me actually switch over and not stick to top gun and both so that was that was really helpful All right. So any other surprises in terms of where you were wrong or what you got right? Anything other, any other prediction related? Oh, I forgot that you, this all started with you asking us a question. I I, I had lost the question. What I would do differently, I would have believed in all quiet a little bit more. Um, I think, I think that is like, and, and not, you know, just because of that movie, but there was, there was momentum in all the sort of, you know, the the craft category write-ups. It was how, all quiet was generating this momentum and had a lot of uh did have seem to have a lot of support, but I just didn't think it was going to carry it over. Um, no, it was it was it was you know, all quiet and Elvis were the two most nominated, and then Babylon seemed to have you know one or two corners. It was like, well, they're gonna have score, or they're gonna have production design, or maybe both. Uh, uh but uh, you know, it was it was all quiet was marching on score, it seemed to have cinematography, you know, again, production design, it was theoretically in fourth uh, in terms of the odds um uh what babylon elvis and uh avatar were all ahead of it in terms of the odds makers uh so that was a surprise i don't know if i could have predicted it but i i, I guess i should have believed the all quiet hype uh a little bit more but if i did i also then i would have given it um adapted screenplay and i would have taken an l there happily. right right that was another one i switched after antonio and i had talked because it didn't do as well in the precursors that happened after we talked. So, but yeah, so that was, that's actually another example of a narrative, a bit I should have leaned into more and committed to more because I kept saying all quiet's going to overperform. All quiet's going to sneak into categories we don't expect. And I just didn't go all in on that. I just sort of went halfway. And so, yeah, this is, this is what I've learned from the, the, this round of predictions is like, if you have a a, a strategy, if you have a thing, a narrative that you think is going to, Play, play then you gotta stick with it and go all in yeah all right so like we've already started talking about this a little bit here and there but what's let's take head on sort of what are the implications like what are the big takeaways from this year's oscars like what is what is the every everything everywhere sweep mean for the academy like we sort of talked about like maybe this is just a one-off thing but like how do you do you think this has a larger impact on oscars in the future and on just the movies, movie industry in the future. I'll start with this, if that's okay. Um, so to me, what what this year shows is that critics, BAFTA, and then and then Guild's Oscars are are like three things now. Like they're three different things. Um, I mean, critics and Oscars have always been sort of like at odds, and and and. Um, while there's sometimes alignment in years where like, you know, the same actors will win everything or like it's often, there's often a split between critics. BAFTA has traditionally been considered historically more aligned with Oscars because it is also a cross industry award. Um, but I think that BAFTA and, and the Academy, um, have both changed their rules to, um, or, or changed certain things about their voting procedure to, 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 
make more exciting sort of nominees and winners. I think that BAFTA's rule changes, as I understand them, is that they now have like this sort of like panel that will decide some of the nominees now, right? And so I think that has resulted in a more diverse slate of nominations. But what the Academy has done in, in, in increasing and making more diverse its membership is that it's enabled more diverse and sort of exciting contemporary winners, right? And so when you look at this year in particular, where, where like all four acting categories, I mean, it's just crazy to me that there, there, there would be that much of a, um, there'd be that much of a distinction between them. Um, so it, to me, it just says like, well, now they're just different things. And, and now they're not, they're not necessarily all, you know, we think of everything pre-Oscars a little bit like, well, it's predicting the Oscars, but like the critics have never cared about like predicting the Oscars, I think necessarily. BAFTA, I think that doesn't care about predicting the Oscars. It's their own sort of thing. The Golden Globes definitely cares about predicting the Oscars. <laughs> like, yep. the Golden Globes only exist as like a party where people audition for Oscars. But, um, but, um, I'm going to pay attention. I think in the future, I'll pay more attention to the guilds. Um, um, and because I think that if, if we talked, Jen, um, before the Writers Guild, I think, um, gave out yeah. their, and I, I think maybe I could have been convinced after everything everywhere won there. But again, Banshees wasn't nominated there. So, right, it, right. So, so it felt like, oh, well, it wasn't nominated. So I can just, I'll just keep going. But, um, but, uh, in, in retrospect, that was, that should have been the indicator that, that it was just going to be just a, this historic sweep. Mm. Uh, so, um, but I, so, and I'm kind of okay with this, with this idea of like, you know, all right, their their own separate things. If it enables the sort of spread the wealth over multiple ceremonies and multiple, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different types of award shows, because it's I I I look, I love everything everywhere all at once, but I'm kind of glad Carrie, you know, Barry Keoghan has an award mm-hmm. um, for that, for that yeah. movie, and, and that Carrie Condon, um, you know, won. I wish Colin Farrell <laughs> um, had won as well, right? But um. So, uh, so that's, that's my sort of takeaway in terms of the implications and what, what to, how to look at, at this sort of race moving forward. I, I agree with that. I, that's really well said. I feel like the, you know, I, and again, this could change because, uh, you know, the, the, the stories can change from year to year, but the sort of slow march to inevitability may be over with that sort of, here's Brad Pitt winning, like, you know, 15 awards at, at 15 ceremonies for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like he's got, you know, by the time you get to the Oscars, even if you've been avoiding the other things, you've seen the speech, like you've seen what he's going to say. Um, that, you know, maybe there's going to be, you know, there's some more, some more variance, uh, and, and an embracing of that. Uh, and also, you know, is there, uh, I, I, so I guess the question is, is it just that it's variance? Is it that these are different entities and different pools that want different things? Uh, and are trying to act, you know, of, uh, uh, of its own autonomy, uh, which would be great. I think that's what we would all want. Um, we don't, I, I don't want the BAFTAs to exist to try to calculate, like, what's going to be the best, uh, you know, the, the best, the most likely to win. Uh, at an Oscar, I would like to see it be its own thing. Um, but, you know, is it, uh, you know, is, is that the new reality going forward or is it that, uh, Academy voters like don't want to be told what to do or don't want to be told what the favorites are. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the Fablemans was the narrative in what, like October and, and November and Banshees was the narrative in, uh, December and January. Uh, you know, is it that they were like, you know what, like this other movie, I've liked it for like a year and, and it's been fun and it makes me feel good. And it's, you know, a movie about, 
uh, about being kind instead of a movie about like bitter, acidic uh, uh, people. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, like, is it just that they they sort of remembered and they they recalled uh, and, and turned to the movie they liked? Uh, is it that they didn't want to be told what the narrative was? Or is it that, you know, between this uh, and, and CODA, you know, is it a, a post-COVID world of they just want movies that make them feel good? I was going to say that as well, because as you were talking, I'm like, oh, is he going to mention CODA? So I'm glad that you went there. Uh, because, yeah, the pairing of CODA winning last year and everything everywhere, that is the one thing. They don't have very much in common. <laughs> but the one thing they do have in common, right? That you, you couldn't pick two, in a lot of ways, two more different movies. But, you know, the one thing they do have in common is that the, that they are hopeful and that they, they have like a, like heartwarming stories, right? They make people like, like PT saying, making people feel good. And so, yeah, I think that might be a historical trend where like, that's what people are looking for in movies, right? Like I hear so many people close to me that always say like, you know, like, why does everything have to be really dark and, and, uh, bleak and can't we just have things that make that are happy things that can help us escape right um can't we what what happened to like why do we have anti-heroes now why is that so popular why can't we just have good people doing good things that in stories that make us feel good right um and you know i can't fault anybody for that right um although i do think you know for comparing coda to everything everywhere i think everything everywhere is just is doing some yes the end result is you feel good Mm -hmm. but the path it takes to get there is i feel like a lot more complex and nuanced and it's like there's a lot of dark things in everything everywhere it's just that the resolution of it is 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 happy at the end yes and i i also would say the the other element that i think they share is a, a feeling of this is telling uh, an underrepresented story. Right. You know, there's, there's deaf, uh, deaf families and children of, of, of deaf adults, uh, in CODA and then the Asian American sort of immigrant narrative, um, that, you know, is different than a white woman composer and a bunch of Irish dudes being stubborn. It's just like, yeah, well, no, that's not, those aren't like new stories in movies, let alone, I mean, you know, the specifics are obviously new, but like, you know, that, that doesn't feel like, oh, this is something, to, you know, that's totally different. And I do think there is, uh, you know, part of the uh, expanding out of the Academy. You know, this is the thing that I think that I'm sure there are people out there who think of this dismissively or even antagonistically. But, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're like, oh, that's a story I don't hear. That's a story I don't know. Hopefully there are some people like that's that's a story I relate to that's mine um and I'm glad to finally see it but even people who maybe um you know aren't you know are are in the sort of uh, dominant culture of uh of various categories uh, can say like yeah great I haven't seen that I want to uh, reward that I think the other thing to take away from it in thinking about what makes everything everywhere unique and kind of standing on its own is this idea of it's very rooted in genre. Like, I think everyone in being anxious at making it a front runner all season, right? It's been a whole year of people being like, is this really going to do well? Like, is this really happening for everything everywhere? And I think part of that is because it's so rooted in a genre to- storytelling, right? There's a heavy sci-fi. It's a multi, it's about the multiverse and, and traveling through multiverses, right? Uh, you know, if you had just said that to me, there's, oh, there's a movie about the multiverse that's going to win best picture. I would be like, you're crazy. Uh, and, and that it's, it has, it's a movie, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but all, also if you haven't seen it, why are you listening to us talk about it? Um, right. Uh, but 
you know, it's a movie that has a raccoon chef and and has a bunch of um crazy things like wa- really wacky kooky things in it. Yeah, there's a it, there's a there's a raccoon chef and they um named yeah, I guess I won't I won't go into more de- de- detail uh in case just on the off chance someone's listening to this and and they haven't seen it. Please go see everything everywhere. Uh if the Oscars have not convinced you, <laughs> hopefully we can. Um but yeah the the fact that it's such an out there movie and it's kind of has is more populous leaning, I feel like really is opening the door for us to be like, oh maybe maybe now movies like this do have a chance, right? That they and so my bigger question for everybody is, you know, is what we would call traditional Oscar bait a thing of the past, right? Is this a, is this a, some kind of seed change? PT, what do you think? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I I don't. I'm going to say no with the with the asterisk of I. You know, I'm saying that because I I think Antonio is is right, or at least. Uh, you know, approaching it cautiously that we shouldn't think of this, you know, one, one ceremony isn't the new trend necessarily. Um, that, uh, you know, there's still going to be Oscar bait. People are still going to fall for it. Is what Oscar bait, how we define that going to change? You know, is it suddenly going to be, oh, you know, some sort of like core heartwarming story surrounded by structural insanity and, uh, you know, uh, genre borrowing and genre bending, uh, is that going to become the new Oscar date? Is there going to be, you know, uh, you know, the, the sort of the rise of A24 that, you know, uh, is it, is it going to be Ari Aster movies, uh, uh, running away with best picture for the next, uh, decade? You know, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I don't think that, you know, traditional movies will go away. I think the, the, the success of All Quiet, um, uh, certainly, you know, punching above its weight, uh, in, in, uh, in terms of numbers of awards and even sort of getting into upper categories that feels very kind of traditional Oscar baby, even mm. though I don't think it was made that way. Uh, so I, I, I don't think it's going away. Um, but it, it's possible. It's just going to be redefined. Um, Brendan Fraser in the whale, that's an Oscar baby performance. Yes. Right. I mean, that's, sure. that's a classic Oscar baby performance. So, um, so I think it's still, it's still with us. It's still with us even in the ceremony. <laughs> that's, that is, that is, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Even, and again, I like PT and I think maybe PT was a bad influence on me in this way because I didn't, I was, I was about to watch the whale and then I just didn't get to it in time. And, and now I probably won't like you. Well, probably will watch it because <laughs> uh, now I'm going to be moving on to other things, but yeah, just just looking at the the reels and the Oscar clips alone, I was like, yes, this is definitely like someone who makes a physical transformation just yelling, right? Yeah. That's like classic. That's a classic Oscar win. Yeah. Um, so, but I think there is something to be said where it's like that's being isolated now to the acting categories and yeah. acting and makeup, you know, like to to specific yeah. categories as opposed to right. The whale didn't even get a best picture nomination. The whale didn't sweep, right? And you could say the same thing for Elvis. Like Elvis did get a best picture nomination. That is very, to me, and that's why I sort of bet really big in a lot of categories on Elvis because yeah. I'm like, this is so Oscar Beatty. Um, and so the fact that that didn't get anything, I think indicates that maybe to me, at least that maybe we're trending away from what classic Oscar bait is, but yeah, you're right. That's, it's still very much present. Um, it, yeah. It's also, it's also interesting 
how much Elvis momentum were people who don't vote? Like it had a lot of, I think like younger fans who were really into Austin Butler. Uh, and you know, that there's, I don't know, there's something interesting about, uh, it, it also felt like Bohemian Rhapsody had a lot of like new generation discovering this old music artist and being like, yes, good. We like this because of, uh, you know, because of this movie. Um, and that obviously did translate into, uh, into Oscar success somehow and uh and now you know it, it you know was it that there was burnout because of elvis did it just get overshadowed um or was it just like how many academy of voters are on tiktok watching fan cams of austin butler like did they even like did it pass them by yeah i think in retrospect i put too much weight on that because i think and antonio was totally right because i think when we talked about this and i was making the case for austin butler's really it right now he's the it actor he's so he's so popular right especially amongst the demographic that pt's talking about but then you said you know typically new actors first time nominees do not win this category right the younger actors don't typically they have to wait their turn um and so i think i should have listened to that more <laughs> and listened less to tiktok i i actually think that watching the whale even though i did not like that movie it helped me to predict <laughs> uh, okay yeah. it just i i watched it and i was just like this only exists so that <laughs> to win an Oscar. Uh, and like, like I, this is the kind of thing that I've seen before win Oscars. And so while I didn't like the movie, it did help to sort of shift me into, into that, into like uh, just sort of accepting that that was what's going to happen. I also, I wonder to the degree to which something like that liberated every, them, the voters to then be like, great, I'm going to vote for everything everywhere in all these other categories. I'm, I'm, I, I, I checked my box of, of good, correct, like Oscar. <laughs> Oscar bait win. Uh, now I can stretch, stretch mm, my. Yeah. Right. So if it had been, if the, the cast for everything everywhere had been different and there had been a, a contender in best actor, like, would this be a very different story? It was interesting to think about. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought about it too. I thought about what if he had gone instead of supporting actor, what if he'd gone up for, for best actor? He was so beloved and so like mm. popular and that, and, and the category, I, I do think that he belongs in supporting actor that, 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 that it, it, it feels like a, maybe a little bit of a stretch, even though he's the closest thing to a lead actor in that movie. Um, but maybe, right. I mean, it, it could have happened. The move is Kei Hui Kwan in lead actor, James Hong in supporting actor. Yes. <laughs> for sweep. I think. Lock it down. Uh, and, and then, uh, and then everyone's happy. Um, to, to dip, uh, briefly, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick my spot, uh, to talk about Oscar history. I assume people, uh, you guys all heard about this, um, that now it's the, it's only the, the third movie to win three of the four acting categories. Um, did you guys hear the other two? You told us, right? <laughs> so wait, wait. I think I got the streetcar named Desire and Network. Yes. Um, and Antonio, you're right. I did because I texted uh, in our, on our thread, um, but that didn't make it seem like that doesn't sound oh, like um, No, that's fine. Um, that's just my like little Socratic method. Uh, <laughs> so it's not just me mo- monologuing. Um, so for those two movies, uh, uh, here, this is just to emphasize the sort of unique stature of uh, Everything Everywhere's uh, win and dominance uh, for for those movies. Um, they each had uh, the other category. There was a nominee uh, that didn't win. So everything everywhere is the first one to not lose one of the acting categories mm. and win uh, and win three. It's also crazy the ones that lost it, for Streetcar. The loss was Marlon Brando um, of of all the people in it. He's the what? one who win. He lost to Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> 
winning his Uh-oh. own poster for the African well, film. Bad beat. Like, you can't be mad. You can't be yeah, mad. Marlon yeah, that's Brando. tough. I mean, you can, because you're Marlon Brando. And so you never let never let it go. But that's fine. Um, and the network, the loss was Ned Beatty uh, in one of the best supporting roles yeah. uh, of all time. But he lost to Jason Robards in All the President's Men. Also a great performance. Can't, yeah. can't be too mad um about it um and uh neither network nor streetcar won director a picture so everything everywhere is the only one to win uh five of the of the six if you include those and the only one to win uh six out of eight uh if you bring the screenplays in which obviously you can only win seven at most um so it's above the line at the sort of tippy top everything everywhere's dominance is unrivaled yeah wow all right, last question, and then we'll move on to the talking about the actual telecast. But do you feel like we're in for backlash of any kind in response to everything everywhere doing so well? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not either. I mean, I, I don't know what I like. I understand if people want to spread the wealth or whatever, or people who 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 think the movie just didn't connect with them. But I, I don't know. Even even people for whom the movie wasn't like their favorite thing of the year, I don't know how you could watch that ceremony and, and begrudge those those wins. I mean, um, okay, all right. If I had to reach, maybe it's like the the sort of unparalleled dominance of everything everywhere all at once. If you compare that to like other films in history, right? That that didn't win as many Oscars or whatever, then maybe we could say like, oh, did it really deserve all of that? But like, you know, in every given year, it's just it's it, like not only is it is it a movie that people feel good about, it's a very it's very much a movie of this moment, right? Mm. And and as um as a sort of like um in the time capsule of like you know 2022, 2023, like I'm I'm perfectly happy with this being a representative of this, right? Whereas certain other movies obviously didn't I don't think age as well right I mean like there's a, a classic like bad ones like like crash <laughs> and um but like you know even like the shape of water which I kind of like that year I'm like I'm, I'm never gonna watch that movie again <laughs> right um whereas everything everywhere all at once I think the thing that that um that took me by surprise in the sort of and 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 the sort of you know, it's, it's movement, it's inevitable march to the, not inevitable march, the, the not at all feeling inevitable march to the Oscars was that, um, it was a movie that I found sort of perfect when I first watched it. And, um, and then it, I, I was in this sort of weird position where I found myself like, but I want other movies to win stuff. So I was kind of rooting against it, even though like at certain points, I was like, I kind of want something else to win this just for variety's sake. But, but, um, what sort of turned me back around was, these um people who who listened and and read like the long take and like and and um and who heard all the buzz about everything everywhere watching it recently like pre oscar mm. and and like i had i had this close friend who who texted me to said like that movie made me cry like um you know by the end of it and 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 i've forgotten that um you know just how touching that ending was until i saw sort of the oscar clip with michelle yo's face and stephanie Shu at the end and then um and then i was like okay i'm good with this um, so <laughs> I don't know. I feel like was there 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 are just certain wins that I feel like I feel like if you if there's a backlash, then I'd be curious to see what angle of approach you take. And and like mm-hmm. there are years for like like Moonlight and like Parasite. I'm like, what are you gonna say? <laughs> um, so I think I hope not, and I think I think not. But you know, who knows? Internet's internet. Internet's gonna internet. <laughs> so we'll see. 
I mean, the the strongest backlash I saw was uh, a noted curmudgeon, Paul Schrader, uh, writer of Taxi Driver and uh, First Reformed in the Card Counter, who said uh, it shows that like Hollywood's no longer celebrating itself and is too has gone too international and is striving to be woke, which are all wonderful code terms for I'm racist. And I don't <laughs> think that there are all these movies Aww. about people who don't look like me, um, which is a bummer. Um, but, you know, there's uh, there's people out there uh, valiantly defending him, saying he means all quiet on the Western Front when he doesn't. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, so I think there is that backlash. Racist, be mad and, you know, good. Uh, that makes me happy. Uh, let them let them be upset. Um, you know, I, I think that A.O. Antonio's point is right, that there's there, this had the like a great combination of it's weird and it has all that weird stuff. So people were like, it's new, it's different, it's weird. Um, and, you know, in that way that like uh, uh, you know, to go back to my first like locking in caring about Oscar stuff, like Pulp Fiction couldn't get over that hump of like, it's weird. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's ultra violence, you know, the, the structure, blah, blah, blah. Like it lost to the sort of more traditional movie. Um, and, uh, you know, so now the weird people get that. Um, but and then the people who are like, well, this is a story about uh, immigrant families and, and the Asian American experience. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I talked to um, my uh, my parents. They're they're uh, nice people in their in their 80s. <laughs> Uh, who, uh, do love movies and they, you know, they watch a lot of movies and they like things that are sometimes that, that are out there. But, um, you know, I was like, I'm not even going to recommend this movie to them. Like, I don't think they're going to get it. Uh, and it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be thrown off. And my mom was like, that movie was great. It was a really nice movie about families. Um, and, you know, that's a really good, that's a really uh-huh. good. Movie. Um, and, and it got, I, I knew there was only one of two possible reviews from my dad. It was either a four word positive review or a two word negative. Um, and, uh, he, he gave the positive one. The negative one would have been weird movie. Uh, and that would have been the negative. He gave the positive one, which was weird movie, but good. Uh, and so, you know, he, you know, it was, it was, uh, it, 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 I think it plays better than uh, a lot of the sort of folks deeply steeped in it, uh, might think because of all the surface stuff. I think the, the, the core themes and elements and so, and, and, and subject matter come through and resonate and that's why that's why it 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 won um so yeah so in a lot of ways it the intergenerational nature of the story itself seems to be also its meta narrative where it somehow managed to both be a reflection of because i think sean fantasy on big picture not in pre-oscars coverage but when they were originally the movie i think originally came out or at some point earlier in the season had said that this is to him the sign that people who grew up in a certain generation are now becoming filmmakers and that this is very much a product of like the Daniels, right? They're, they're, they're mixing and remixing Wong Kar Wai and the matrix. And right. Like there's all these pop culture influences from a certain period of time that are now kind of manifesting in, in filmmaking. And so that, so in that sense, it is very much like a young people's right or like younger generations movie but then as you're saying pt because it has this like very universal story it's core it's man it's managed to kind of reach reach beyond that so that's really cool yeah. um, all right so let's talk about the telecast itself as a thing to watch on tv because i you know because i listen to so many oscar and movie podcasts I've heard a lot of complaining about the oscars especially recently in terms of like what are the the choices that they make that like they you know because 
Last year, they famously cut down the number of categories and then people who are actually cinephiles and a part of the movie community were like, what are you doing? The show, we're the only ones who care about your show. Why are you, why are you taking this away from us? Right. And so like, there's this whole conversation about who is the Oscars really for? The ratings have been plummeting for many, many years now. And so like for you, how did this fare and compare to other Oscars telecasts? My, go ahead, PT. Uh, my, uh, my yeah i my feeling about how the the academy and the and the producers have done the oscars is very similar to uh the like baseball playoffs like i'm a big baseball fan and i feel like there's like been a feeling of just sort of like we're sorry like we know like i know like this isn't very popular or you don't really like this but like you should watch anyway. And like, here's why. Uh, and so it, it's, you know, so this sort of like, uh, like apologizing and also trying to sort of like bring in people who don't like it. And then where it's just like, why don't you just be the thing that you are and, and let the people who like it, like more people will like it if they just be the Oscars instead of trying to like be the Oscars, but also kind of make fun of themselves as the Oscars and try to be like, what if we did like an online poll and we showed the flash during the Oscars, would that make you happy? Like, is that something you would like? Uh, so I liked this telecast a lot because it was very stodgy and traditional. Um, and I think that is good. I think that's what the Oscars wanted. I thought there was, there was, there was a good, um, market correction, uh, in, in how they presented themselves. Uh, I think they really felt. Um, the blowback of that attempt to move uh, some of the awards offline uh, and have them just be sort of summarized. Um, and I think they did what is a good thing to do, where they were like, you know, they openly apologized, like Kimmel mentioned it. They were like, we heard you, this was a bad idea. Uh, and now we're, now we're doing it again. And instead of trying to have a bunch of people come out and make jokes about how like, no one cares about uh, you know, visual effects or whatever, they had people come out to be like, here's what visual effects do, or here's what editing does. And it was weird sometimes in that great way that Oscar ceremonies are weird to have like a woman and an old machine like spooling through film behind the editing uh, presentation. But I like that they were just sort of like, hey, in case you are tuning in and you don't know what a cinematographer does, here's what happens. And here's, you know, historical context for that. Um, and so, you know, I thought that was good. Um, again, uh, nits to pick on the margins of the telecast, uh, as you know, just like with the awards. But overall, I, I was pretty happy with it. I will note. Uh, as, as both of you know, I, uh, lost the date and made dinner plans. So I watched it on tape delay. I started watching it like an hour and a half. So I also fast forwarded through all the commercials. Highly recommended. Uh, that was a great time. Uh, I know you. I was about to say this is shameful, but the, the idea of not having to sit through the ads is pretty appealing. Yeah. Well, not, not sitting through ads. My, my biggest complaint was that we were forced to watch a Little Mermaid commercial during the actual during series. The, oh, it so was bad. about as shameless as it possibly could have been too, right? Um, and so, but beyond that, I agree with PT. I think that it moved pretty smoothly. One thing logistically that I really liked in terms of what made it go a little quicker was that we didn't have, I think in the past, we'd often have actors from the Best Picture nominees come up to introduce the clips from the, from the pictures. And like, while it's kind of cool to see, you know, like Jesse Buckley and Rooney Mara come up to whatever, um, it, it also takes time. Right. And especially with 10 nominees, right. Mm -hmm. In the past, they've tried to do things where they, they like package like three nominees together into a thing, but, but often the, the, like the, it just didn't make sense why you put these things together. 
So I think that was handled well. The main thing is like the speeches were good, right? I mean, like, um, uh, you know, one of the best speeches came from one of the shorts, right? The um, the British, whatever. I, I I don't feel comfortable, whatever, but I do feel comfortable apologizing or something. I thought that was lovely, mm-hmm. and um, and there, it wasn't very listy. So I mean, every year they, I feel like the academy tells them don't don't give a list, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and whatever, right? Like sometimes you get weird things, like Brendan Fraser's, like the metaphor, or whatever. But like he's trying, right? He's trying to 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 say something interesting, and it was kind of interesting, and it felt. And and also even the inevitable victories, right? It 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 sort of proved to me that to to someone who's up for an Oscar, it's never not special to win an Oscar, right? And it never feels like, well, I'm just at the end of the finish line. I'm just relieved that this is over. So for him, he seemed just as surprised as he did when he won his first award in the in the in the season. So I think I think overall, you know, I have I have very few complaints beyond the Little Mermaid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you. So on, yeah, on the one hand, this a return to the familiar was very comforting. And I liked a lot what they, what, what they tried to do, uh, in that sense. And then, but yeah, the ads were my one complaint or that like the thinly veiled ads. Cause like, I think the Warner Brothers montage of like, Cause like, I think Antonio in our chat, you had said, well, it's because there, there's the hundred year anniversary, but I feel like that was just an excuse, right? By the time you get to the act, the end of the actual montage, like, like PT was saying, like, because it ends on Ezra Miller's The Flash, a movie that they're trying to promote, it just, like, it just, it felt gross. Like, why are you sort of pretend, like, why are you, why are you pretending this is an anniversary celebration when in fact it's really just product placement, right? Um, and, you know, it's even worse with the Little Mermaid one because it's, as you said, like, it's okay to release a new trailer during the commercial break. Yeah. That's the place it belongs, not during the ceremony. Um, but the fact that it's airing on ABC, which is owned by Disney, and this is a Disney movie that's coming out, like, that just yeah. felt, felt really wrong. And I say that as a big Disney stan, like it's, you know, I, I give Disney plenty of my money. So like, it's not because they don't like Disney, but it like, it, you know, it, it still felt, it still felt we, like a weird misappropriation of the time, time during the precious time we could have been spending giving some people, the, the, you know, not too many people got cut off, but like giving the people who did get off, cut off more time to speak. Right. There were a bunch of, especially if you had more than one person accepting the award, that was usually like only one person got a chance to speak. And apparently like, it seemed like they didn't tell them that or like that just didn't work out because of the timing or something like that. But um yeah. So like, I would definitely have traded the little mermaid promo <laughs> for, for more time for the actual awards. Um But, but yeah, that was my, that was my one complaint. I thought otherwise, yeah, I think uh, otherwise it was good. I think Jimmy Kimmel did a fine job. Um He was, he was perfectly pleasant i think i was reading i can't remember where it was but there was there was some someone's review of the ceremony was like he was not he was the perfect in the middle down the middle right like he was neither just complacent and kind of pandering to the academy but at the same time he wasn't so biting like a ricky gervais that people were like get out of here so i think i think it was what it needed to kind of like get back on track and as pt was saying sort of like own up to what it actually is not pretend to be something else 
there there was something like refreshing about like that that first year of Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes just being like all of you are hypocrites and whatever it was just like cool but like it's been done now like it's over right. so yeah I think you know there Kimmel had some cut it some cutting barbs at times he had some pretty anodyne jokes at others. Um, you know, I think he went to the slap well, like one or two, too many times in terms of the jokes. But overall, like I was surprised at how much I thought like Jimmy Kimmel did a good job. I kind of thought yeah. it was going to be a little, a little more self-flagellating for the Academy. Um, to, to uh, jump in quickly on the kicking of the, of the uh, Little Mermaid trailer. Um, I, I listened to the uh, Little Gold Men uh, podcast, the Vanity Fair Oscars podcast, their sort of post-show and they had, Two of their people who were there, like in the theater, and then two that were were watching uh, elsewhere. Um, and the people in the theater were saying, like, you know, when it would go to commercial, there was sort of like these prepackaged things that would show on the screen that were not the commercials, but they were like interviews with nominees um, and, you know, just sort of stuff to fill the time. It's not going to show the commercials. The Little Mermaid trailer and the Warner Brothers 100 anniversary things were not shown. They were treated like commercials. They were, they were instead clips of the nominees. Those were commercials. They were not part of the telecast. That was the telecast like leading into the commercial break. So that was paid advertisement. And it's crazy. Like it's crazy. They did that. Um, especially crazy because even though I fast forwarded through the commercials, I saw there was a like hundredth anniversary, like celebration of Disney ad that happened of just sort of like the history of Disney that was during the middle of one of the ad breaks. And they didn't even like pretend to have that be the thing that's like pseudo part of the ceremony. And then just put little mermaid. They just were like, here's a new movie. And everyone was mean to the new little mermaid. So you got to like pay attention to it. Um, and that was bad. It was bad. People were mean to her. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that movie looks terrible. And uh <laughs> And, and it yeah, was have I have it. generally generally been disappointed by all live action Disney remakes. I don't understand why they exist other than to make money um, for people who will see them and not really care that they're not very good. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I will say that you mentioned the slap, uh, which I generally don't want to give a lot of airtime to because I think it distracts from talking about the movies. But obviously, it's a huge. It was a huge pop culture incident that, like, you know, will haunt us forever. Uh, but I do think they handled the presenters really well because historically, you have the best actor from la- the previous year present to best best actress and vice versa. Um, and that was obviously going to create a sticky situation because Will Smith was not allowed to attend the Oscars for good reason. Uh, and I thought that their solve for that was very clever where they were like, oh, we'll just double up and have two people. Right. And then like, like, and and it felt pretty seamless in terms of like, it wasn't like, oh, this is awkward because like, I'm just imagining Will Smith being here. And that, that enabled them. I thought the Jessica Chastain and Halle Berry, as as I mentioned earlier, was a, was a particularly good because Halle Berry was there to, to present to Michelle Yeoh. Like I thought that worked out really well in a way that made me sort of forget about the potential awkwardness. (laughs) I also, I also like that they sort you know, the pairing up of people and also the doubling up of awards. I, I, uh, also listened to, uh, the big picture, um, post show. Uh, and they had like, I, I was not on board with their complaints. They were like, there weren't enough celebrities. They like rushed through too many things. There wasn't enough banter, um, which 
is interesting for people who usually complain about how long everything takes that they wanted more like filler. Um, but, uh, you know, I like that they were sort of like, here's two people. They're going to come out. They're going to present two awards. Um, like I thought that overall worked. And I thought that, you know, obviously they had to uh, adjust for the lack of the last, the, the previous year's um, best actor winner being, uh, being present. Um, but it also helped with the fact that they did, uh, it felt a little weird in the moment, but it made sense to do supporting actor and supporting actress back to back because that way, you know, Troy Kotzer wasn't going to be out there alone. He had someone else he could, uh, you know, he could talk to um, uh, Ariana DeBose. And I thought that worked really well, even though it did feel a little bit like, wait, what? Like we're doing, we're doing both supportings already. Like it's already happening. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought like a lot of those little tweaks and adjustments were, uh, were effective. Do we have any thoughts and opinions on the musical performances? I think that's the one part we haven't talked about. I thought they were, I, I thought Natu Natu was, was excellent. I thought the other performances for songs that in all honesty, I thought were kind of unremarkable. Um, but I thought that the performances of them um, were, um, were as exciting, were exciting. Right. Um, so you know, I, I, during Lady Gaga's performance, I was like, has there ever been a closer close-up <laughs> than I am seeing right now? It was really intense. Yeah, it's very intense, but, um, but good for her, right? Like, I mean, like she's like, she, she brought something like, I, I know there was some debate as to whether she would actually be in attendance or performing or not. Um, and I'm glad that, that she did. Um, I, 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 I'm a fan of, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mitski, Mitski. Um, and she wasn't there to perform. And I, and I still don't know why I, I, I looked it up during the ceremony, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, but good for Stephanie shoot for, for, for filling in. And, um, but you know, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. And I'm, I'm glad that the one, the performance I like the best one. Yeah. yeah for I, sure. I, and I kept thinking there's no way, because if, if you've seen RRR or just watch the YouTube clip of, of Natu Natu, they the, they speed up and slow down the 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 frame rate or the like the actual like film uh in the scene and t- to me the most thing i was most concerned about is this per- live performance going to fall flat because it can't compare to the version that's in the movie um because the dance like because the dance will just look different um and i was large and and i think that to a certain extent was true but not in a way that i think undermined the live performance i really enjoyed it and i got hyped i actually made everyone in my house during the, the the following commercial break, like I just I just like shared from my phone the YouTube video. <laughs> I was like, we're all watching this right now. I don't care what you say. Um, and I just made everyone uh made everyone enjoy it. And I, you know, I was like, oh, this is still really great. So uh yeah, I think I would that would be my personal pick as well. Though I think that um Rihanna did an amazing job. She was I, I was blown away. I was actually also pretty blown away by Lady Gaga though she's performed at the Oscars several times already. And so like, I think it was just, I knew what to expect. Um, but I think that she, that if we're going by kind of the feel in the room in my house, when everyone's watching it, people got super quiet for Lady Gaga. Like people were just kind of like, no one was chatting. Everyone was just like really honed in on what, maybe that's because the intense close up. maybe it's just because of the strength of her performance. Maybe it's just because everybody likes Lady Gaga, but that, you know, that that was definitely the one that kind of had everybody stand still uh, where I was watching. 
Uh, I, I agree with, uh, with you both that the Nacho Nacho performance was, was the clear highlight. Um, that that was, that was great. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously something to the star power of, um, Lady Gaga and Rihanna and to, uh, people of, uh, of a certain age, David Byrne, uh, as well, uh, showing up. That was great. With hot dog fingers. With hot dog fingers. That was a great reveal. Uh, my, uh, uh warmish uh uh curmudgeonly take is uh if i was going to cut the the uh whole award show down i wouldn't do the songs i was like we don't need the songs i don't care um i i'll i will be honest we fast forwarded through three of the songs um (laughs) like not the whole thing (laughs) diane warren got like three bars and then uh fast forward um uh lady gaga after your commitment to her history you did that really (laughs) I, you know, I, I didn't fast forward through her getting uh, her honorary award in that little clip package. Um, so good for her. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, Rihanna and Lady Gaga, we didn't make it through the end. It was just like, great, you're doing fine. Um, and, uh, you know, we did go through the other two, but it's just like, I, it, maybe it's because, um, that's, that's the, the a, a future, a future discussion maybe, uh, is, What's the deal with the history of the song category and why is it there? Um, I, I kind of did a, like a, a, a medium dive into looking at score and how score used to be like divided into drama and comedy, but it's because it was sort of like there were so many musicals. It was a musical based thing that it's like the songs feel so disconnected from the movies most of the time that it does just sort of feel like we have something else. Like, are you sick of people walking up and handing out awards? Like, here's someone singing. Uh, and it's like, are we sure there's not like, I would take five uh, additional like montages about the movies and how movies are cool, uh, instead of five song performances every year. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I'm kind of up to my, cause I do feel like it does serve like a Super Bowl halftime show sort of purpose to break it up. But I agree that like it, it you know, if, if, if we're, if we're cutting other things that are actually more central to the awards themselves, Right. And that so that we can have time for these extended musical performances. That is an interesting question. Um, but the one thing I will add before we wrap up, because I think we do have to wrap up now is that there actually has been a little bit of blowback about the not to not to performance because, um, and I would, I have to, I have to admit that just watching it when it was on, I did not notice this, but there actually weren't any South Indian performers. Apparently, so that so I've seen lots of TikToks of of South Indian dancers or people who are part of the South Indian community in the LA area being like they could have hired South Indian dancers to do this and they didn't. Um, obviously, like I don't know how because I'm not a part of that and, and I'm not linked into that uh, industry, like I don't or that community, like I don't know, I don't know how true, but there were enough of them where I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like this is, <laughs> this is a thing that people are angry about. Um, and also specifically because RRR is not actually a Bollywood film. It is a Tollywood film because it's, uh, it's, uh, um, was filmed in the Telugu language. Um, and so it's not, and, and like, obviously like, you know, people who don't have a lot of exposure to the Indian film industry, like I don't begrudge anyone not knowing that. Right. I only know that because I'm a movie nerd who looked up stuff about RRR, a movie I loved. Um, but but apparently that you know there's there's a little bit of commentary about like why couldn't we have made more of an effort to get people who are actually part like you know who either are part of the the Telugu community or part of South India um, or come from there like people who who could are more authentically linked to the the dance and the language of the film so 
that is a thing that's out there that I didn't know was a thing until I start, started seeing it on the internet. Yeah. Fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to wrap up with final thoughts. Any other category? I think we did a really good job, but I think any other categories that we know didn't touch on that you feel like you want to share something about or just any sort of concluding thoughts about this award season, this year in film? We'll start oh, with Antonio. Oh, um, I thought that it was a really strong year for film. And um, and I thought that for the most part, even the films I didn't care for quite as much, with the exception of Blonde, <laughs> I think that everything had sort of something to its credit. And there was just a range of experiences. When you look at the list of the, the top 10 Best Picture nominees, that um, um, at the end of the day, for me, this year is going to come down. There were two movies that like brought me to, to near tears. And they were women talking and living. But I think that part of that was also, those were two movies that I saw in the theater. And if I have one regret from, from this, from this movie going year is that I didn't see some of my favorite movies in the theater. I feel like watching things in the theater, good movies become better, bad movies become worse. Like the whale I saw in the theater too. <laughs> um, and so like, I wish I, I like, cause you can't, even though I could like, it, you know, like I think everything everywhere I think is in theaters right now. So I could go watch it, but there's something about like discovering a movie in the theater for the first time. So I wish I could go back and watch everything everywhere all at once and tar. Um, and, um, and some of these other uh, top gun, I didn't even watch in the theater either. Right. That definitely, I think. Um, I, so I recognize that those are really excellent movies. Um, the tar was the movie that I think impressed me the most, the one that I feel like made me think the most and the one that I could see myself again, watching like 10 years from now, and just being like, how do they do that, right? Um, and as, as sad as I was for Kate Blanchett, I'm not, not that sad for Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's going to be fine. <laughs> I also felt for Todd Field. Like, they had some close-ups of him, too. And, um, and you know, when I watching the Daniels win, like, so many awards, I was like, can we, just, can we give one of them to, to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end where, where, where everything sort of ended at the Oscars, which is that um, the most complete movie to me, the movie that, like, mixed all of these features that that I love about film and it felt like this sort of just complete experience where like I wouldn't change anything about that movie was everything everywhere all at once and mm -hmm. even though I get, went through this weird sort of thing where I was just like I I I'd like something else to win something else but I I um you know at the end of the day when I when I finished the ceremony I was like what are you doing Antonio <laughs> right like there's so many years like where you're upset like the Birdman year I, I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that movie where I was like ah um but, but the, you know, they picked what you liked, <laughs> right? What you love, what you had as your number one movie. Like, how often is that ever going to align? So just, like, enjoy. Um, so, um, but it was just, it, I guess my one thing is that it was just such a rich year for movies. And I hope that the takeaway isn't just, like, people going to watch that movie. Um, but, but watching Women Talking and Living and Tar and um, some of these other things as well. Oh, very, all very well said. It's very hard to follow Antonio when he says like really nice things. Uh, I, I, uh, what I, I would say first, uh, because you, when you were talking, got me thinking about poor Todd Field. Uh, uh, a couple things. One, it does feel like, uh, Angela Bassett got the sort of like, oh, like, you know, kind of a sore loser focus. Like no one really talked about Todd Field, like kind of thumping under his big hat. Um, which, you know, again, totally understandable, as was Angela Bassett's. It's just like, it's, it's very sad to lose. Um, I don't know why people have to act like super gracious. Not everyone has to be Lady Gaga jumping out of her seat for Natu Natu before the Natu Natu people do. 
but uh, the thing with Todd Field is he's already been through this. Like in the bedroom had the exact same thing happen as the sort of small movie. Everyone was like, this movie's low key, the best movie. Um, but then it loses screenplay director and picture to a beautiful mind. A movie I don't think anybody is like going to s- compare favorably to everything everywhere. Um, that movie is sort of, you know, lost in the mist of time. And it, they, it, she ha- that movie had the best actress front runner who got um, usurped by the only wo- woman of color to win um, until now. So, uh, you know, it is interesting that he is sort of like <laughs> stuck in this. Uh, his multiverse is just the same story over and over again. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with Antonio. The idea of sort of like getting back into the theaters, um, was amazing. I also wish I had seen Banshees and Tar, uh, in the theater. I did see Top Gun. I did see Nope in the theater. And I think that's partially why Nope is in my top, like six or seven movies. Um, cause that was, uh, is a great movie and, and played so well on the big screen. Um, I, I did feel like the, the, the year was kind of top heavy, like the top, like the top 10. Uh, or have my personal top 10. And I, again, I will admit not having seen everything. There may be more things that slide in there. Um, you know, that's, that has a, a bigger slice of the pie of sort of overall quality. Like there's, once I get down my list to like 15 or 16, I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, we're already, we're already here. Oh, oh, that's fine. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think of things in sort of tiers when I have like a little running list, I, I could put spaces in between of like, okay, I, I cluster these movies together of, you know, I kind of liked all of them the same way. And since I've seen it, everything everywhere has been in its own tier up at the top. Uh, I've wanted other movies to try to get up there banshees and tar are what's like underneath it uh in its tier but you know i i would love for them to get recognition i hope as time goes on people find them revisit them still like those movies uh, i think they're really strong i think they're excellent i'm very happy that the movie i like the most since i saw it was this dominant force i actually don't have that much to add so i won't just for the sake of it uh but i will add that I almost saw everything everywhere online uh, during South by Southwest when it premiered. I very, I was super close to watching it. I was like, but South by Southwest, unlike Sundance, like they're they're they force you to kind of go all in with a very expensive pass. There's no kind of in between. They don't sell single tickets to single movies, and their catalog for um, pre- movie premieres that are not documentaries is not as strong as other film festivals. So like. I ultimately was like, I'll just wait till it comes out in the theater. But I did see it when it the week, I think it was the week that it came out in theaters. And I never would have imagined that we'd be here now, like going back to when I was sitting in the theater watching it, like, because I loved it so much. And I was like, this is an amazing movie. I'm so glad I got to see this when it's coming out in a theater. But I never had a second thought about its Oscar chances. And so it's amazing that we're kind of like now here talking about how it like is historic and how well it did and all that sort of stuff. So that's amazing. Um and then the the other thing I'll say kind of in concluding is that the season, yeah, like everyone's saying, like the season has been really fun because it was like sort of had, like we were saying, at once was like predictable, but then also not predictable because we just weren't certain that this sort of thing could happen. Um, and so, it's, yeah, from a prediction standpoint... Uh, it, it's been it's been really fun to kind of go through the ups and downs and kind of the different phases of of award seasons. Uh, so I want to end by saying thank you to both of you and to Greg who couldn't be here um, for for 
for helping me on this this inaugural journey, right? Like cramming in at the end of award season, <laughs> some award season coverage. Um, but you know, the the clock has started for next season already. So be on the lookout. I'm going to be probably um, hitting both of you up for maybe sort of like what we're looking forward to next year, um, or just like you know, as as the the conversation, the year long conversation starts all over again, we can do this all again. So um, to, to to wrap up, I know Antonio, I know you're not on the grid, you're not on the internet, but is there anything? This is there's an opportunity. Is there anything that's forthcoming from you that you want to promote or anything you want to plug? I have, uh, you know, you can, you can find me at like, uh, Asian bakeries and <laughs> dim sum restaurants. That's where you can, that's exclusively where you can find me. Nice. Nice. I love it. That's also making me really hungry because we're recording right at lunchtime. PT, how about you? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not that much more online than Antonio, uh, PT McNiff, PT MCNIFF. On Instagram, uh, I believe my last post was uh, March 2021. Uh, but you're welcome to send me a message there, and uh, you know I, I will I will like Jen's content, and that's that's essentially what I'm doing online. But uh, nothing nothing beyond that. And uh, I, I now want to go to an Asian bakery. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'll meet Antonio there. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you again, both of you. Greg couldn't be here, but I do want to plug, uh, he just launched a new website, ioncanon.com, which will direct you to his new shiny new Substack. on there. He does have a really, really great piece on everything everywhere all at once and sort of like what, how it fits into the larger context of multiverse storytelling, which seems very popular right now, but then also sort of like, like we've been talking about, like, what is the appeal of this movie? Why is this the movie of the moment? Uh, so yeah, I would encourage everybody to go check that out. And until until next time, thank you both. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.